Hey, 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 what's happening? This is Parker Edison. We're a couple weeks away from the official start of season three of the PEP on KPBS. And to get you warmed up, we're releasing two bonus episodes. I started both of them when we were wrapping up season two, and they kind of got stuck in this limbo, so I'm super geeked that you'll get to hear them. They're deep, connected to my real life. One of them is sort of dark, and the other's a little lighter. So with no further ado, this is bonus ep number two. It's me and some friends discussing rap, and then I'm talking with a brilliant, wise intelligent. Hey, 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 this is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS, including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can. All right? Thanks. I'm not including like these smoke and people currently, but there's something specifically about the 80s cadence and the 90s mm-hmm. cadence of, of LA, Oakland vocal sound, just vocal cadence on a track that I still dislike. You are now tuned to the Parker Edison Project. Oof. We got a great episode for you today with an interview that I'm personally super excited about. But before we get into that, I got a couple friends on Zoom right now. We're just talking rap music. Hey, you guys, introduce yourselves. I'm Angie C., Angie Chandler. I'm a lover of music. I curate experiences and programming around that and help artists to feel supported within that industry. I just love hip hop. I am like the lady in brown sugar. Edgar Almanar, also known as DJ Gargar. I mean, I do have a nine to five at, at UC San Diego, but um, who I am is, you know, I'm a musician, DJ, producer. What's the best sophomore rap album in history? It Was Written was the first one that came to mind. Man, I, again, I'm a Dre stan. So 2001 is up there. Ooh, uh, Low End Theory has to go up there. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> fair, um, fair. And Life After Death, is, I'll, I'll stop there. I mean, if I have to pick one out of those, I got to say 2001 because I'm getting biased to Dre, but. What city or borough think gave us the, the best rap artist? I have to say Queens. Like when I list out the, the best and the who keeps coming back, who's consistently a fave. I gotta say queen. So New York City, for people listening who are not familiar, we are a city of five boroughs. Those boroughs are Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, just a little geography for the people. Because borough, I mean, you let's just, if I'm just gonna go the, the very cliche answer, right? You've got, in, in Brooklyn, it's J, Day, Big, Kane. Yeah, Kane, Queens has Nas. Tribe. Tribe. Prodigy. My, um, Mob Deep. Yeah, I was going to say Mob Deep. So you say Prodigy. Oh, Mob, Mob Deep. Deep is Queens. Mob Deep is Queens. Um, Staten Island is only the one. I mean, Ooh, that's it. Yep, in Staten. Yeah. That's Nori. Yeah, Queens. The whole is thing. Pop. A whole strong, full, Nine. a whole strong. Yeah. But I, my, my initial reaction was going to be Brooklyn, but. Yeah, Queens. Queens get the money. Um, But <laughs> I'm going to say this. Mine goes Jersey, then Queens, then Ooh, Jersey. Jersey. All right. Remember I said I had that great interview I wanted you to hear? Well, it happens to be one of Jersey's own. What's your name and what do you do for a living, sir? Wise intelligent. I serve the people for a living. You know, uh, my background, of course, is most notably known for music. 
for the legendary Poor Righteous Teachers group, 1990s rap group out of Trenton, New Jersey. That's the background. Respect. I got to just put this out. Me and, me and my guys are always having this conversation about the best spots that they yield rap and always say Queens and Jersey. Those, those are two in the Long Island because you know Rakim, Chuck D, all of those heads. But Jersey has like so many like top tier MCs: Redman, Latifah, Wyclef, Buttons, Tretch, yourself. What do you think it is that Jersey has that gives such quality MCs? Isolation, maybe. Jersey doesn't have any major radio stations, major record companies, anything like that. Not a lot of major events going on in Jersey in terms of music conferences and things of that nature. So MCs, artists from Jersey normally have to migrate to other areas, other states, other cities to participate in the broader scope of hip hop. So that isolation allowed us to hone our skills in a unique way. We wasn't really every day in the spaces where other artists were, like New York, you know, New York had its thing, you know, New York had its thing, Jersey had its thing because it was isolated. We had to develop it in that isolation. I think that that gave us the ability to to develop without too much of an overwhelming influence, you know, as in hip hop, we're all influenced by other MCs, other artists, you know, in the culture. But for the most part, it allowed us to develop the uniqueness. My biggest influences as an MC were were local artists. You know what I mean? I was carrying records for DJ T-Bone at like 13 years old, 12, 13 years old. I would carry records to, to his parties when he was DJing. You know, uh, even with breakdancing and graffiti art. You know, I was doing graffiti art for a long time. I was doing big ass murals like on the walls, like burners. You know, even the reggae influence that PRT exhibited in, in our style, it was it was more local than anything else. You know, you know, Job Pops and 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 his family, you know, would have dub sessions in the basement. You know, and Roots, you know, Roots rock reggae from the local artists. You know, they they were most impactful because they were different to me. They would they didn't sound like anybody from New York. They didn't sound like anybody from Philadelphia. You know, we we were between New York and Philadelphia. Fair enough. Fair enough, man. Just and just actually just just like for the record, can I just give maybe maybe two cats that are in your top five? They don't gotta be Jersey. They could be from anywhere. My top five is is solid. I mean, no particular order. Rock him. Mm. KRS One, Chuck D, Brother J, X Clan, Lauren Hill. That's Woo! it. That's, that's my five all day. Big shout out, man. You know, but <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's hard to have a real a top five, a top ten, a top twenty in hip hop. You know, because the platform is about self expression. Each artist is expressing themselves in a very unique way, especially from our era. So you can't be a better Chuck D than Chuck D. You can't be a better Rock Him than Rock Him. You can't be a better KRS one than KRS. You can't be a better Lauren Hill than Lauren Hill. So I kind of gauge my, my top five is kind of based on the the needle move, how they move the needle in the culture, impact to the culture. You you got a, a wild deep catalog, man. Do you have a favorite project from your own catalog? I don't have a favorite because each one of them has something on it, something that that amazes me. Sometimes, you know, I don't listen to my music a lot. So when I do, when I'm throwing back, you know, I, I do the throwback thing, I'll go back, I'll listen to some music and, I, and I'll hear a song and I'm like, a lyric, you know, it could be two, four bars. And I'm like, yo, I actually said that. 
You know, so I don't necessarily have a, uh, a favorite. I'm, you know, I've never written a piece of music with the intent of making money or gaining fans. I, I've always wrote music from the vantage point of 50 years from now, when they're questioning hip hop and they're listening to the music, you know, my music can represent a lifestyle and an attitude that mainstream media is not ready to represent, you know? When they say, okay, hip hoppers was on lean, they were lean drinkers, they were drug sniffers, pill poppers, gang bangers, shooters and murderers, you know, they'll have this time capsule. And they can say, mm. wait a minute, is this not hip hop? Right. Know? So right. they can hear us pushing back. You know what I mean? They can hear that, you know, the culture was pushing back. You know, mainstream doesn't define what hip hop is, you know, so I'm, I'm writing from that vantage point. I'm going to control this narrative for the historian that's looking back 50 years from now. See, hooking y'all up, right? Ah, hey, stick around. I'm gonna hit this commercial. We coming right back with more of the PEP. Stay tuned for more, tuned of, the for more of the PEP. In 2023, hip-hop is turning 50 years old, and there's no better way to celebrate this monumental anniversary than by playing the Questions Hip-Hop Trivia Game, based on the acclaimed live event turned online show and podcast of the same name. The Questions Hip-Hop Trivia features 300 cards to challenge and entertain everybody from casual listeners to the most die-hard liner note reading rap nerds. The Questions Hip-Hop Trivia, Available wherever you get games and books, or order yours at www.questionshiphop.com. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. What's your favorite place that you've seen rap show up in fashion, in, uh, the aesthetic and commercial, the sports realm, media? Mm. I'm a sucker for like in a movie or a TV show when, you know, there's it could be something happy. It could be something intense. It could be something sad. And then the beat drops at the exact right moment to match the visual. And then, you know, even better than that, when like the lyrics, they, they find the, the snippet of the song where the, like the lyrics match the visual. That's like my favorite application of, of hip-hop, of rap. And now back to the P.E.P. All right, we're about to get into the second half of this interview with Wise Intelligent. I've been a huge fan of his music since the 90s, and a big reason for that is his approach to balancing the music and the business. Man, I gotta ask this personally, you know, purely for myself, man. The, the outro to your 1996 New World Order album with Poor Righteous Teachers which features Lauren on Allies, man, and the Fugees. You got a skit where you essentially describe the signing of the Patriot Act like six years before it occurred, man. 
Do, do you know the, the outro that I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Eight. Executive orders. Bruh, how are you so on point with those predictions? Because it's a few of those that came right into existence like five to ten years after you did that. You know, we studied a lot. You know, we, we paid attention to what was going on, not just in our hood, but around the world, global politics, you know, the geopolitical reality. You can see certain patterns. You'll see certain things and they don't put laws into effect that they're not going to implement, you know, at some point. You know what I mean? It's like they're not writing it just for the sake of writing it. You know, it's all connected to uh, trajectory. You know, it's all agenda driven. So when it, when I first learned of the orders, you know, um, Behold the Pell Horse, that book, you know, um, and, and a couple others in route, in, in route to global occupation books like that started you know just they just accented what i was already studying in real time you know like i say there's no such thing as a secret society but there are societies of secrets you know what i mean you know it's not a secret they're right in front of you they're in plain sight you know it was always about just knowing what was going on in the world and responding accordingly, you know what I mean? Doing what I felt I needed to do to make people aware and, and at the same time put myself in a better position, you know, because my thing is that it has been, you know, as I mature, you know, my understanding, my growth and development, I realized that we don't have to fight against these systems. These systems are wired in a way where they're going to implode. Mm. When, you, when you say stuff like that, man, and share these types of, of knowledge is on your records. I can see where that could be perceived as being controversial. Have you ever had to deal with pushback for this type of honesty? Absolutely. From the record label itself, you know, um, we, we would have questions from staff members at the record company mm. about certain things we'd say and views. You know, and this is the thing about institutional control. Power is exercised at the institutional level, right? If you don't control institutions, you don't have power. I don't care how much money you have because people depend on life-sustaining institutions to sustain their lives. They they can they depend on these institutions like schools. Schools are institutions. You know, uh, banks, they're institutions, financial institutions. So people depend on them. You know, if you control these institutions, a record company in, in, in effect is an institution. So the pushback, they hear something we say, and then they be like, oh, these, these are your views, what do you mean by this? You know what I mean? We feel like, you know, some people have questions about it, you know, so when you explain it to them, they're like, oh, okay, 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 okay. We get it, we get it, we get it. But then they'll tighten up the marketing dollars and not promote your records, you know what I mean? Right. Not promote your records because they control the institution. Regardless to how real and historical, historically factual what you're saying is, you know, it's not the point. Mm -hmm. The point is they have the power to impede it because it's an institution. And I remember one time we had some pushback in Ohio. We were on a radio, a, a Christian organization. They came to the radio station to protest something that I said on the radio. It was the black man is God. You know, I said the black man is God. You know what I mean, but that's but that that was some pushback that we got, and then later. I received pushback from the Killing You For Fun album. You know, mm. Killing You For Fun album, because the cover had the burning of the brother uh, Hezekiah in Coatesville, Pennsylvania. Walmart wouldn't shelf it. 
how do you navigate dealing with the politics of the business and still maintaining your art and your integrity and your goals? It's like I, I said in, in a, a line, my commercially defective rap aesthetic needs an edit just so white folk could get it. You know, I don't make music for that. So the business of rap for me is finding the audience. You know, it's mm -hmm. like it's like if you're looking for green tea in the grocery store. You know, you go to the grocery store, you, you drink green tea, you're going to go for, look for the green tea. You're going to ask somebody, yo, where's the green tea? It's over there and out, whatever. The kid that's looking for soda pop, soda pop is over there. You go get the soda pop. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But this is green tea. It's premium. I'm not trying to compete with in the commercial spaces that mainstream rap is uh, functioning in. I get asked the question a lot. You know, what do you think? You know, what's the difference between hip hop in your era and hip hop now? Do you think that it's changed? Do you think hip hop right. is worse or better off? Do you think hip hop? You know, my response is always, I think hip hop is exactly the way it was when it began. The mainstream is just highlighting a particular narrative. You know what Ooh. I mean? It's like that narrative is controlled by mainstream, but there's still a plethora of conscious hip hop artists. They just can't see the light of day on in the mainstream. Whereas in our era, they could because there was over 200 record companies. You know, now it's only five. There were over 2000 radio stations, but now, but now they're all owned by one. That's what the problem is. The problem is not hip hop. Hip hop is still, there's still break dancers. There's still graffiti artists. There's still people, there's still DJs. Mm -hmm. There's still mm -hmm. MCs spitting something other than sex, money, and murder. It's just that we don't control the institutions for the dissemination of the hip hop. We don't control the major platforms for it. So it creates this perception that hip hop is this one thing that you hear from these 10 MCs that the program, the record is playing 40 times a day. Talk that talk, Wise. Talk that talk. And I, I don't want to keep you. I appreciate you giving me this amount of time. Two, two more really quick questions. One is, what are you working on now? Music wise, I've, I've been doing a series called Back to School, you know, and the Back to School series started with period one, first period. First period was the talented Timothy Taylor. I did up to five periods so far, and I just finished sixth period. I'm releasing that next. It's called Wise Intelligent is Poem Chomsky. The Poem Chomsky project is going to be an NFT project, and you get every drop, you get every video, you get every song, and you get bonus freestyles. NFTs. It's NFTs of me just spitting verses. Mm. And this this side project on this one is going to be an NFT project as well. You buy the Poem Chomsky project, you automatically get the, this project is called the Man Drill Project. It's it's me on drill beats. I'm on all drill beats. And, you know, a grown man on drill beats, Man Drill. <laughs> I'm looking to release that on my own platform. It's called Digital Dope. Digital mm. Dope. Dot, digital dope and, you know, I'm the president of the Rap Snacks Foundation. You know, I've been de developing entrepreneurship and financial empowerment programs for youth, for young people, for students at HBCUs, uh, students in the community where the community can teach the community. So Stock Boss Up is an app that we develop to, te to teach uh, how to invest in the stock market so that you get a handle on how the economy works. You know, all the companies that drive the economy and you, you'll you see from investing in the stock market, you learn immediately how the culture influences commerce. We, we support these brands every day, you know, learn how they work. And then we can create our own platforms, create our own brands and, and do similar, you know, within our communities. Then we have a Backspin's program. Backspin's a music program. We're going to do projects with the youth from our platform, from uh, Backspin's, we'll pull uh, a, a, a student 
producer, a student writer, and a student MC or singer and build an NFT project around them, release it, let them build the community and and see how to and then they can learn to, they're learning how to monetize the, the the intellectual property. That's what it's about. Intellectual property ownership and monetization. Because it we are the bag. We don't have to secure the bag. We the bag. If we're gonna secure anything, we need to secure ourselves, right? right. Because we're the resource. That's hey, you you doing the next level of the next level right there. Don't give them no more. I'm gonna put this, I'm gonna put the whole the whole interview on, on a website so Cass can listen to it for free. I hope you got like a lecture series coming along, like a, a little master class that Cass can just tap in, tune in, and, and get this type of knowledge from you, bro. Good stuff. Appreciate you. And just for the record, how can how can cats find you on the internet? Where's the fastest place to go to to find you? IG, wise intelligent. Spell how you would find it in a dictionary. Wiseintelligent.com. You know, I got dope merch. Yeah, so, and the book is out, you know, so you can get the book from the website, Three Fifths and MC, Manufacturing of a Dumbed Down Rapper. Woof! It's available now. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you. Fire, right? Big thank you to Wise Intelligent for taking the time. If you're not familiar, look up Poor Righteous Teachers and start there. Big smart. Pro black gems on gems on gems. Matter of fact, I'm going to run something by him right now. Why wait? This is from his 2018 solo album, Ponzi. It's called On Everything. So why these other I'm just clap though. Why the math be aligning when my baby sit behind me while I'm driving and that bullet pierce her window? Upsigans up from the get-go. That depends on who you asking. Some be praying, others fasting, some say emphatically yes, some say it's no. I guess all life is a struggle, how you live or die, determined by how you see yourself inside of that fact. But when you don't control perception and your enemies aggression, use your culture as a weapon, you accept that. Manufactured narrative and dangerous single story crackers packaged to disparage hating subjugate they captive so we run no. Now broken this spread they ignorance on some talk show Corporate thoughts like Mona Scott tell him be more hope If not for black love and hip hop I would be heartbroken From the bottom up we lining up we honey cut We bamboo and boogers losing plus they music suck Starstruck zigging the lust with what we losers touch I see these wasters on the covers of these magazines They call us haters but we saviors to you negro kids I'm burning all this shit down put that on everything Put that on everything I swear on everything My black white black white seeds and everything Thanks for stopping in. Parker Edison Project is produced and hosted by yours truly, Parker Edison and the good people at Platform Collection. Be sure to subscribe and catch the next episode on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, visit the ParkerEdisonProject.com and please, please leave a review so people can see what you think of the show. My guy Chris Reyes is our head editor. 
Adrian Villalobos is media production specialist. Lisa Jane Morissette is director of audio programming and operations. And John Decker is senior director of content development. This programming is made possible in part by the KPBS Explore Content Fund. And I love saying that because it reminds me of Sesame Street. And special thanks to my roundtable guests, Angie C. and DJ Gargar. Seriously, y'all stay safe out there. Keep hip hop alive.